right heart failure. When addressing right heart failure, most commonly the left ventricle is a topic of discussion and the right heart overlooked. However, the right ventricle is unique in structure and function and is affected by a set of disease processes that rival that of the left ventricle. Etiology. Right ventricular failure is most commonly the result of left ventricular failure and fluid overload. In addition to left ventricular failure, there are other conditions of pressure overload that lead to right ventricular failure. These include uh, such transient processes as pneumonia, pulmonary embolism, mechanical ventilation, acute respiratory distress syndrome. Furthermore, chronic conditions of pressure overload may lead to right ventricular failure. These include primary pulmonary arterial hypertension, PAH, and secondary pulmonary hypertension as seen in chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or pulmonary fibrosis. Congenital heart disease. The following conditions result in fluid overload calling right ventricular failure. Valvular insufficiency, congenital heart disease with a shunt. Another important mechanism that leads to right ventricular failure is intrinsic right ventricular myocardial disease. This includes right ventricular ischemia or infarct, infiltrative diseases such as amyloidosis or sarcoidosis, arrhythmogenic right ventricular dysplasia, cardiomyopathy, microvascular disease. Lastly, right ventricular failure may be caused by impaired feeling, which is seen from these conditions, constrictive pericarditis, tricuspid stenosis, systemic vasodilatory shock, cardiac tamponade, superior vena cava syndrome, hypovolemia, epidemiology. Right ventricular failure is most often the result of left ventricular failure. Patients with biventricular failure have a two-year survival of 23% versus 71% with left ventricular alone. Pathophysiology. During fetal development, the right ventricular the right ventricle accounts for approximately 66% of the cardiac output and via the ductus arteriosus and foramen ovale. Shunts blood from the lower body and placenta. At birth, exposure to oxygen and nitric oxide as well as lung expansion leads to a rapid decrease in pulmonary vascular resistance. The lungs, which were bypassed in utero, become a low-pressure, highly distensible circuit. The thick-walled fetal right ventricle becomes thinner. Anatomically, the structures and resulting function of the right ventricle and left ventricle are vastly different. For example, the left ventricle is elliptical and made of thick muscle fibers wrapped around two anti-parallel layers separated by a circumferential band. The results, this results in a complex contraction that involves torsion, thickening, and shortening. The right ventricular, in contrast, makes a triangular or crescentic shape and is made of both a superficial layer that runs circumferentially in parallels to the arterioventricular groove and a deeper layer that runs longitudinally from the base to the apex. Because of its structure, the contraction of the right ventricle is limited to longitudinal shortening of the tricuspid annulus towards the apex. The right ventricular free wall is displaced inward and toward the septum, and traction is created by the septum as it moves toward the left ventricle in systole. The right ventricle is more heavily trabeculated and contains circumferential moderator, moderator band at the apex. The tricuspid valve is unique in that it has a large annulus and is tethered by a greater than three papillary muscles, and which make it vulnerable to structural deformation under sustained increased pressure or volume loading. Because the right ventricle is substantially thinner than the left ventricle with lower elastins, the right ventricle is more susceptible to increases in afterload. A modest change in 
peripheral vascular resistance may result in marked decrease in right ventricular stroke volume. This is evident in patients with pulmonary arterial hypertension, pulmonary embolism, mitral valve disease, and secondary pulmonary hypertension, and the adult respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS. The thinner right ventricle is more sensitive to the pericardial constraint. Like the left ventricle, contraction of the right ventricle is preload dependent at normal physiologic filling pressures, and excessive right ventricular filling can result in a shift of the septum toward the left ventricle and ventricular interdependence causing impaired left ventricular function. Because of the lower right-sided pressures and wall stress, the oxygen requirement of the right ventricle is lower than that of the left ventricle. Coronary blood flow to the right ventricle is lower, as is oxygen extraction. For this reason, the right ventricle is less susceptible to ischemic insults, and increases in oxygen demand are met. Pulmonary arterial hypertension is poor. In the early stages of pulmonary arterial hypertension, the right ventricle responds to elevated pulmonary arterial pressures by increasing contractility, with little or no change in the right ventricular size. As pulmonary arterial pressures continue to rise, the right ventricle, ventricular myocardium begins to hypertrophy and right ventricular stroke volume is maintained. This, however, is not enough to normalize the wall stress and subsequently dilation occurs. This is accomplished by rising filling pressure, decreased contractility, loss of synchronicity, and the right ventricle becomes more spherical and the dilation of the TV annulus results in poor uh, culpation, the valve leaflets and functional tricuspid regurgitation. The TR worsens and the right ventricular volume overload, right ventricular engagement, wall stress, contractility, and cardiac output result. This differs from the result of the right ventricle to the acute increase in afterload, such as seen with acute pulmonary edema. In this case, right ventricular responds with an increase in contractility and in diastolic volume, but does not have enough time for adaptations that are seen in chronic right ventricular failure to occur, and quickly falls when unable to generate enough pressure to maintain flow. History and physical. As with all disease states, the initial assessment of right ventricular failure begins with a thorough history and physical examination. The acuity, severity, and etiology should be determined so that the appropriate treatment plan may be put in place. Clinically, patients with the signs and symptoms of hypoxemia and systemic venous congestion, these include breathlessness, chest discomfort, palpitations, swelling. Common findings on the exam include jugular venous, venous distension, hepatojugular reflex, peripheral edema, hepatosplenectomy, hepatic pulsation, ascites, anasarca, S3 gallop, TR murmur, RV heave, signs of concomitant left ventricular failure, paradoxical pulse. When severe, presyncope or syncope may occur when the right ventricle is unable to maintain cardiac output. This is accomplished by on the exam by the following, hypotension, tachycardia, cool, symptom, cool extremities, delayed capillary refill, central nervous system depression, oliguria. Differential diagnosis, cirrhosis, community-acquired pneumonia, emphysema, Good pasture syndrome, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, interstitial non-idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, myocardial infarction, uh, nephrotic syndrome, neurogenic pulmonary edema, pneumothorax imaging, pulmonary embolism, respiratory failure, venous insufficiency, and viral pneumonia.